Take your Bibles, go to Proverbs chapter 3. Proverbs chapter 3, while you're turning there, there's good news for you mothers. This morning on Fox News, they gave us the results of a study done by Salary.com, and we now know exactly how much a mother is worth for one year's worth of work. And the men are going, oh, please don't say this. I know that this is not going to be good for me. Mom's salary, according to salary.com, if you are a full-time mother, you earn the equivalent of $110,800 a year. That ought to be good for a free lunch on Mother's Day, I would think. Now, I don't know what a part-time mother is, really, but they also gave us the rate of a part-time mother She earns $65,698 a year, or at least theoretically so. And to that, I say that's a pretty good gig, really. If you can get that kind of a response for the easy job that you have as a mother, taking care of kids who love you and respond to you appropriately every single time, taking care of a husband who's the father of your children who just waits on you hand and foot, that's a pretty good deal when you get right down to it. Really? Yeah, I know. You think I've flipped out, and maybe I have, but uh, I, uh, I get maybe, maybe this will communicate better. M- uh, motherhood is not really all it's cracked up to be, according to some people. Take, for instance, the mother who had three boys. They were known for being rowdy. You know, the kids I'm talking about. And and, uh, so after a particularly rough day at the mall, this mother was about ready to pull her hair out from these three boys that she had. Uh, Somebody walked up to her and said, hey, uh, those your boys? (laughs) She said, it depends. Who's asking? And uh, he said, well, I'm just curious. Given the day that you've had with them, I've been kind of watching you with them uh, If you had to do it all over again, would you still have children? And she thought for a minute and she said, "Uh, yeah, I I think I would. Just not these. (laughs) Uh, Which fits what one guy said that the joy, well, I'm probably sure this is a mother who said this. The joy of motherhood is best described as what a mother experiences after all the children have gone to bed. Happy Mother's Day, ladies. I know that this is one of those high points in the year for you. I like Mother's Day because it tells me that Father's Day is right around the corner. <laughs> Proverbs chapter 3 is going to help us a little bit today, I think. I, uh, I typically try to steer away from messages targeted to a particular group of people in a church service. And that holds true for Mother's Day. It rarely holds true for Father's Day, though. Since I am a father, I don't mind, you know cracking guys right between the eyes with the message, but uh, for mothers, I want to be a little easier on you today and talk a little bit about uh, all of us and how we have a way of making motherhood very difficult. You know, uh, one of the great church fathers in the early days of Christian history, third century, was a guy by the name of Augustine. And he was one of the first, not the first, but one of the first great theologians in the Christian church. 
And Augustine was a great thinker and a great mind, but he was not always a great man. Matter of fact, before he was converted, his mother had incredible problems and concern for him. He was a womanizer, and he was known for his easy living approach. And it concerned his mother greatly. She was a fine Christian lady. She had married a guy who was a pagan and uh, had no use for God and Yet through the years and her praying for her and her influence, her, her praying for him and her influence on him, finally Augustine's dad made a profession of faith and became a Christian. And so the mother then began to really focus in on her son and at one point he even went to one of the local church leaders there in the area where they lived and asked him to pray for Augustine and to help him out and the the bishop there knew a little bit about him and basically told her, you know, there's really no hope for that boy. And she said, I don't buy that. And she began to pray for him till finally that bishop came back and said, with a mother who prays for a child like she prays for him, that boy is bound to be reached. And sure enough, he was. That takes me to me. <laughs> um, not long ago, actually it was about a year ago now, I was working through some stuff in my office. We were beginning to believe that God was going to move us here. And so I began to thin out some of the files in my office, which caused me to come across some stuff that my mother had sent me through the years. And as a rule, I'm not one of those pack rat kind of guys. And so for me to keep anything like a card or something like that is unusual. And I found a whole series of cards and letters from my mother to me stretching through the years of my ministry. And as I read through those, it took me back to a time in my life when um, I had no use for God, no use for my parents, what they stood for. And I remember specifically one day as a teenager, almost out of my teens, but as a teenager, living for myself, living a life that dishonored God and His church. My mother confronted me one day with some things that I had been doing that she had found evidence of, and uh, I proceeded to instruct her on how wrong she was about saying that the stuff I was doing was wrong. And she took me to the point that said, you do know that it's illegal. And my response to that was, the laws are wrong. In other words, I'm right, everybody else is wrong deal with it. And I remember like it was yesterday in the midst of that discussion when my mom looked at me and it wasn't so much what she said, although I remember verbatim what she said. It was more the look on her face as she said it that today breaks my heart for what I put my mom through in those days. What I want us to do today Because we're all children of a mother somewhere. And the scripture admonition that we have in the Ten Commandments, the book of Exodus is, honor your father and your mother. That's a lifelong command. It doesn't change when you move out of the house. I want us to consider together today how we can live an honorable life. Those cards that I referred to that I found in my files took me back to some of the comments that my mom was making as she watched my progress 
through school and in the ministry and over a period of time. And the thing that gripped me then, it grips me today, is for her to say, I'm so proud of you. The reason that grips me is because I lived a life that would make her very unproud for a very long time. And so for today, I kind of want to let the moms off the hook and talk to the rest of us who are children, even though I know moms are children of somebody. I want us to come back to answer the question, how can I live an honorable life? Proverbs chapter 3 is a great place for us to go to find that. Proverbs chapter 3, beginning in verse 5, it says this, Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Do not lean on your own understanding. In all of your ways acknowledge Him, and He will make straight your paths. What I want to do is just kind of dissect this a little bit, unpack it for us, and let's try to hang on to a couple of things, and I will try not to be very long here today, but let's try to just hang on to a couple of things that we can take with us out of here and on Mother's Day refocus who we are so that we can be a child that any mother would be proud of, no matter how old we are. Living an honorable life. The first part of this is in verse 5, and I'll just take one word first. It's the word trust. Now, for us, we tend to take this word and reduce it to a mental kind of a thing. I make a choice to put my trust in something. Now, the typical old Baptist illustration is you put a chair up and you trust the chair. You believe the chair will hold you, all that kind of stuff. But sooner or later, you have to release yourself to the mercies of the chair. and You sit down in it. I think this word needs to be unpacked a little better for us today. This word literally means in the Hebrew language to attach yourself to something. Let me give you an example. Now, I know that Barbara told us last week that she's getting ready to go to Haiti and uh, on a mission trip. If you want to help with that, we talked about that last week. There's ways you can do that. But Barbara has told me that she doesn't like to fly. Now, my wife doesn't like to fly either. And this word trust is a good one for whomever it is out there who doesn't like to fly. Because here's what I've seen happen when we fly together. If we get into turbulence, do you know what the word turbulence means? For some people on an airplane, the word turbulence means we're all going to die. All right? And so, (laughs) Teresa said amen. So what happens with her is when we get into turbulence on an airplane, she... Well, she puts out her landing gear. Does that make sense? She's like this. Legs go out. That way, when the plane crashes, she'll be fully braced for the whole ordeal, right? But the the, the word trust here comes into play because she attaches herself to my arm. It used to be three times the size of this, but she grabs it and squeezes. Maybe not quite that bad. She reaches out anything that is within reach is fair game for this attaching. Right? That's the picture. Now that might not yet totally get the picture for us, but that's a good start for us to try to understand it. Here's a definition of the word for us as we move forward. It is a word that expresses a sense of well-being for us that comes from and moves toward confidence in the person that we're dealing with. In other words, when the proverbist here says, trust in the Lord, attach yourself to the Lord, what he's saying is, because 
the Lord, that is Yahweh, that is the covenant God, the God who is involved with his people, when he is on the scene, if you'll let me say it that way for a second anyway, when he's on the scene, you have confidence that all is going to be well as long as you're connected with him. So trust in this case is not just a mental decision, although that's part of it. It's also part of how we just live out our basic beliefs. It's not a moment-in-time decision as much as it is an ongoing lifestyle for us. Trust, attach yourself to the Lord, Yahweh in particular. So before I go any further, let me stop for a minute and let's make sure we're all on the same page and we wear this first word very well together. What is it or who is it in life that you have attached yourself to for security? Many people live in this day and age with their security system stuck in a bank somewhere. Now, a few years ago, there was enough of a banking crisis that many people in the United States all of a sudden woke up and said, wait a minute, doesn't matter how much I have there, it's not always safe. And so all of a sudden what we had was this widespread panic in our society because our security system was blown out of the water. So nowadays, apparently... Many Americans put their confidence, their trust, they are attached to the government for their security. Let me give you a news flash. Be careful with that because just like the banking system, any other thing we could look at here, unless we are attaching to God himself, it is suspect and certain to fail us. The writer of this proverb, from the very outset, before we go any further than the first few words, says, the key to an honorable life is being properly attached. So what is it, or who is it, to whom you're attached today? In case that's not enough to make us a little uncomfortable, look at the next little part of the phrase. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Literally, we could translate. The word heart, by the way, you remember when we were looking at Deuteronomy and the Shema. uh, The word heart is a collective term here. It's the inner part. It's the entire part of who you are. It involves your emotions. It involves your will. It involves that spiritual part of you. When the Old Testament refers to your heart, and particularly in a context like this, it is the totality of who you are. And so he's saying now, attach yourself to God, but just a little bit of God is not sufficient in this case. Now, that's problematic for us because our tendency is to give God just a piece. In other words, there is that part of many Christian people that says, okay, God, I'm going to give you Sunday. Or the really religious group, the really spiritual people say, I'm going to give you the first part of my day. I'm going to wake up and I'm going to get a cup of coffee, always that order. I don't recommend the coffee before you wake up, although I've tried it a couple of times. You get up, first thing, I'm going to spend some time with God. Listen, that's admirable. I applaud that. 
But if the mentality that we have is, okay, I've given God that part of my day, now the rest of it's mine, then we're missing something here. What is it or who is it that you are attached to completely with your life? Literally, this translates, attach yourself to the Lord with all of the whole of you. He couldn't be any more direct for us and a challenge that says God is not just a piece of your life. He is all of who you are. Now, Hebrew poetry helps us here. The wisdom part of their, their language helps us because they take a statement and they make it positively and then they turn it right around and make a negative statement that basically says the same thing. So notice what he says. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. That is a very pointed command kind of a statement. Okay, It is an imperative. Do this. Fire, run, that kind of a command, right? So it's do this, but now on the backside of it, and do not lean on your own understanding, is softened now. It's not a command as the first one is. This one's written in a pleading kind of a tone. Let me go back to that discussion I was telling you about with my mom. The words that she said to me that day in our encounter about what was going on in my life specifically were, Mark... The devil has sold you a bill of goods in your life and you've bought it totally. Now, that's not one of those command kind of statements. The reason that it registered registered so well for me that now decades later I still remember it like it was yesterday is because the look on mom's face and the inflection of her voice at that time was a heartbroken plea. It was to change the wording, but to get the spirit of it all. It was not, Mark. Oh, I heard that a lot growing up. Usually I heard, Mark Daniel. I hated those two words together. But in this case, it would have been just simply, Mark. You get the difference there? There's one of them that says, I'm going to wring your neck. I've got that a lot through my years too. The other side of it is, you're killing me with what you're doing. So the writer of this proverb starts off and he states the positive in a charge imperative kind of, you've got to do this, attach yourself to God. But on the other side of it, and don't, whatever else you do, don't. Well, I'm going to put it in my terms. We'll talk through it here in just a second. Don't trust yourself. But see, that challenges us. Matter of fact, that might just make some of us a little bit angry. What do you mean, don't trust yourself? I've lived my life. I've been abused by people. I've been taken advantage of by people. I'm the only one I can trust. That's the byword of American society these days. It's me. (laughs) And the writer of this proverb says to us, if that's true of you, you're in for a heap of trouble. Attach yourself to God. Don't lean on your own understanding. The word lean, it's what it sounds like. It's lean. 
I was saying to the early service this morning, before I had back surgery several years ago, I got so bad in the way my back was, I was killing the nerve running down my leg, that I developed a a condition called drop foot. It's exactly what it sounds like. When I would take a step, my foot, I had no control over this part of it, you know, the walking part where heel heel to toe. I couldn't do that, so I'd just flop my foot out there, and uh, which I'm sure was pretty funny to watch, but as I would flop it out there, sometimes it worked and sometimes it didn't, which means I was tripping and falling a lot. And so the doctor said, you either need to get a walker, you know, one of those walker things. And I was a pretty young guy still at that point, I thought, and I thought I shouldn't have to have one of those. He said, or you can get a cane. And I thought I'll get the cane because the benefit of a cane is it's easier to swing and hit people with it. And so I got a cane. And so when, when I would go walking, often I would have to have that cane with me. And then people started laughing at me. Well, I'm kind of used to that too, but as it turns out, they were laughing at me because some people who actually walked with canes came up to me one day and said, uh, you know, you're getting that all wrong. I said, what are you talking about? How hard can it be to walk with a cane? And they said, actually, you have to do it right or it doesn't do you any good. I started laughing at them. A lady in our church who was a physical therapist came up to me. And she said, oh, actually, they're very much correct. You have to use it correctly or it doesn't do you any good. So I hit her with my cane. No, I wanted to. But so she gave me a lesson on how to use a cane. You know what I found out? When you lean on it correctly, it's a wonderful tool if you can't walk right. And that's the picture of this word. Don't lean, you know, don't use as a crutch, what? Your own understanding. So let's get that word out here, and then we'll put it all back together. This understanding is kind of a word that we use... um, Maybe perception is a good way for me to put it out. Insight is another way that I can communicate it, maybe. Don't use as a crutch your own perceptions of your life. Now, this is hard for us because most of us are like the guy who said to me, listen, you want my opinion? I'm happy to give it. It's only my opinion, but I am very fond of it. It's my opinion. If I didn't like my own opinion, something's wrong with me for not getting a better one, right? But the problem that we have with that is we form opinions, we form our perspective, our filtering of the information that comes our way, and then we hold on to it as if it is totally gospel truth. This was illustrated to me a number of years ago. Matter of fact, when I was in college, I had a professor who was, uh, matter of fact, he's just now retiring. He was a great teacher, taught me many, many things. And in class one day, he was trying to get this truth across to us of how personalized our world is because we take it and make it what we want it to mean. So he's trying to get us to get behind perceptions and that. And he said, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to make a face and I want you guys in class to tell me what you see. And we kind of dunce. And so we said, what do you mean by that? He said, I'm going to make a face. You just tell me what you see on my face. Okay, so he did this. One more time. And so immediately, a guy started saying, you're afraid. And another guy said, no, you're surprised. Another guy said, no, you're mad and you're yelling at somebody. He said, you're all wrong. 
He said that to us a lot. But in this case, he said, let me tell you what you saw. What you saw was my mouth open, my eyebrows raised, and my eyelids raised up high. That's what you saw. But you made a decision that 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 you saw meant that I was afraid or surprised or angry. And it came home for me just how true that is for us in all of the affairs of our lives. Something happens to you and you make a decision whether it's good or bad. Yesterday, Teresa and I, after our... Oh, by the way, I need to say something about this. Uh, Our church went yesterday to a local apartment complex, did Backyard Bible Club out there. If you were part of that, it's a great time. Incredible the way God opens doors to deal with people who are never going to come to church, standing out on the parking lot because their kids are involved. It's just an amazing thing. If you're part of that, thank you for helping. If you want to be part of it, we're going to do it again this coming Saturday, and we could use some more help. And so you call the office. We'll get you hooked up on how to help with that. It's a great opportunity for us to get into the community. But after that happened yesterday, Teresa and Lauren and I loaded up, and we drove to Huntsville to see my parents. Today's Mother's Day. I knew I couldn't be there today, so I wanted to spend a little time with her. First time in years we've been close enough to spend time with her on or around Mother's Day, and so we went to do that. Now, there's some health challenges. I made reference to this last week. Some health challenges in my parents' household these days. And, and I can take those things. It was a difficult day for us yesterday. And I can take those things as they come at us. And I can put my filter up and say, that's bad. And I don't mind telling you, that's my default answer to some of what's going on there. But... The other side of me has to acknowledge that God is still God. There, right? Hello? All right. There's another truth out there that we have to hang on to. And my God shall supply all of your needs according to his riches and glory. You believe that? All right. So how bad is bad if that's true? How about if you throw another verse on there that says, I'll paraphrase it because I didn't remember it exactly right when I tried to memorize it last time. Uh, God can take anything that happens. No, let me rephrase that. That's where I miss it. It's not that God can take anything that happens. It's that God does take anything that happens and uses it for his glory. You believe that? Then what's bad, really? Well, I can give you a list of stuff that's bad, according to my understanding. You see what I mean with all of this? And so that filter is a powerful part of how we live our lives every day. Something happens in your life and it goes through that filter and you determine that God left you somewhere. And you're wrong if Scripture's right. But you see, that's why he says on the positive side, attach yourself to God. It's more than the mental part that says, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to believe this hard enough that God's going to have to honor that. That's crazy thinking. I know that it's popular on TV. That's crazy thinking. God has said, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. God has also said that I'll give you everything you need to get through your situation. God has also said all things work together. For the good of those who love God and called according to his purposes. 
Why wouldn't you attach yourself to God with those kind of promises? And the answer that we have to give as we live our lives practically is most of the time we're attached to me rather than him. It's just easier for me to trust my own understanding because I'm pretty fond of my own understanding until it doesn't work anymore. And I go looking for self-help books or some kind of counsel somewhere somewhere, and ultimately in my best thinking, I turn to a holy God who says, if you'd just ask, I'm happy to tell you. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Attach yourself to him. In all parts of all of you. And the other side of that is don't look to yourself as your own crutch. Don't trust yourself, in other words. By the way, let me just stop and throw a word or two out for parents here. What we're talking about, what I've just gone through for 17 minutes, is the essence of parenting. You can raise the smartest, most disciplined children in a classroom, and if you've not taught them to attach themselves to God, you have failed your children. Fortunately, God's bigger than your failures and mine, and he can get through to those same kids that we might not have been able to. But I'm speaking mostly now to those of you who have young children. That is the essence of parenting. To raise, by the way, that's also in Proverbs, train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he'll not depart from it. Teach them to attach themselves to God. Okay, I'll say it. Amen, preacher. Oh, you don't have to say it. It's too late. You already heard my feelings. Now, one last thing. I don't want you to miss this. The next verse, in all of your ways, acknowledge him. (laughs) This is a matter of compliance. My brother has a job that all of you guys who work out in the chemical plants or the chemical industry, he's the guy you love to hate in your company. He's a manager of safety uh, processes. He's the guy that shows up on the job site and says, that's violating code, can't do that, shut it down, makes everybody mad. It's a compliance issue. I've talked to him several times, several different contexts, and I said, so how do you get through that? And he said, well, first of all, We've got to comply. You know, we don't have a choice about that. We have to do it. But he said, you know what I do? The reason I do what I do, the reason I'm happy to be the bad guy for our guys, because I tell them in safety meetings when I go around, I tell my supervisors over different areas, I tell them, listen, I'm the guy that has to show up at your house and explain to your wife why you were killed on the job. And he said, I don't want to ever have to do that. Matter of fact, I don't ever intend to have to do that. I'd rather you be mad at me today because I'm making you do this than your wife and your kids to grow up without a daddy and a husband. Compliance is the deal. In all of your ways, comply. That's what acknowledge him means. It's not a tip of the hat, say, the man upstairs taking care of me. That's not it. That's sacrilegious almost. The man upstairs has a name. His name is God. And his rules, if you want to go there, are for your best benefit. In all of your ways, comply. Now here's the promise, the payoff. 
Because God knew that we would be Americans and we needed a reason to comply. He gives us a payoff. And he will make straight your paths. Why should you be honorable to God? Why should an honorable life matter? Let me tell you something. It's a great thing if your parent can write you a note that says, you know what, no matter who you used to be, I'm so proud of what God's doing in your life these days. It's so much better when God says, that's my boy down there. Proud of that boy. You think God ever says that about you? I think he does. I don't want to be you know, too flippant with God or anything like that, but I think sometimes God says, man, you checked out my son? What a kid, man. He makes me laugh. And sometimes I just soon slap him, but maybe he doesn't say that. In all of your ways comply, and he will make straight your path. That doesn't mean that you won't have problems. Matter of fact, if I read Scripture correctly, God's people have always had problems. But you see, the difference is that those problems that you have, you're going to have them whether you follow him or not. The difference is when you're attached to him, you go through them in his time, in his ways, with his perspective. Oh, by the way, and his strength, and his wisdom, and his care. Why would you not attach yourself to a God like that? All of us would love to be able to be said of us, that's one honorable kid. So attach yourself. Let's pray. And so, Father, we come once again recognizing that your word just lays us open at so many points. And we thank you for that, that you are not content to leave us at whatever level we find ourselves today. That there is a deeper life, a closer walk, a, an ability for us to go further in life, not of our own accord. We can't even begin to get that there. But as you take us by the hand, by the heart, and walk us through life, Thank you for that. Thank you for not abandoning us to ourselves. Father, I know this is a tough day for a lot of people, a lot of reasons. We pray that right now, your spirit would so move in us that we would sense that part of you that Melissa pointed out earlier, that loving, caring, almost mother kind of thing that you have for us. And in the process of that, we would draw close to your heart. Father, I know chances are good in a crowd like this. Somebody here has never attached themselves to you in any way. I pray that your spirit would so move in them that right now they would understand that that creates in them the need, a hunger for you, and that they would turn to you. Father, help us all. Christian or not, to understand the role that you demand in our lives. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.